uh, chapter 40. I'm going to finish up Exodus today. And so if you have that, uh, let's just begin. We'll get into it just by reading, and then we'll jump in. So the last few verses, chapter 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. It came out about 20 years ago. It's a football movie. Uh, it's got great themes and a lot of just one-liners, just good quotes that you, can, that you can remember. Love that movie. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is uh, they're in the tournament towards the end, and they're losing, and the defensive coach is in the huddle with his players, and, and he tells them, I do not want to see them gain, see, see them gain another yard, Period. We're going to blitz, and he's you know, real motivated. We're going to blitz all night. And I want them to remember forever the night they played the Titans, right? If you've seen that, like you're ready to run through a brick wall. Like you, it's a motivational speech. You are ready to hit it. Remember forever the night they played the Titans. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of the exclamation point that we get here at the end of the book of Exodus. It's almost a remember forever Two things, who God is and that he's with us. Like these two giant themes that we've seen all throughout the book of Exodus. The call here at the end is remember forever who God is. Like forever remember that and that he is with us. To remember that the God of the burning bush the God of the plagues, the God who divides the Red Sea, the God who rains down manna from heaven and is fire on the mountain, terror and thunder and lightning. That God, who He is, remember Him forever, His power, His might, and that, that God, that one, is with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that's the big kind of themes that hang over the book of Exodus, that God is a God who rescues. He draws people out from the slavery of sin, the slavery of Egypt, right, parallel to us. And he draws us into his self, into his presence. And the call here is to remember these two things, who he is and that he's with us, because like in every situation of life that you face, every circumstance, this is applicable. Like this is the antidote for anxiety. You remember who God is and you remember that He's with you. When you are celebrating blessings in your life, you keep this focus here, who God is and that He's with us. When fears dominate, when you're worried about jobs, when you are about to go off to college and you're nervous, you're excited, but you're nervous also, going to be without mom and dad. You remember 
who God is and that he's with you when you're the parent sending off your kid to college, when you're the parent facing empty nests, when you're the parent sending your kid to kindergarten for the first time, when you're the parent looking at your, your own parents' decline, when you are later in life and you're watching yourself decline, you remember who God is. And you remember that He is with you. And it brings perspective. It shrinks the big things that are so huge and they're going to just destroy everything. And you focus on these things and it, it shrinks them down. It doesn't mean they're not real and they're hard, but it shrinks them down. It gives perspective. And so as we wrap up this book. We're going to dive into those two things, and that's just what I want you to hang on to. These two truths. Remember who God is. And then number two, remember that He is with you. And so that begs the question then, well, who is God? Right? Boy, we could camp out for a long, long, long time. Right? We, humanity's been trying to figure out exactly who God is since, you know, the fall volumes have been written the bible it's what the bible is about us it's a book about god it's not a book about us it's a book about god telling us who god is what he's like but the shortest summation probably is from god's own mouth and we saw it a couple of weeks ago exodus chapter 34 verse 6 god defines himself like this i am merciful and gracious slow to anger abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And so as we said a couple of weeks ago, the book of Exodus shows us over and over and over that God is far more merciful than we think. I mean, we may think God's really, really merciful, right? Like God's, I mean, God's really merciful. But God's a whole lot more merciful than we think He is. From the east to the west, He's merciful infinitely merciful he's infinite in his attributes like when we see god define his self here the first words he leads with when he's defining his own self is i am merciful and gracious it's not judgment and wrath that's a footnote at the end of chapter 34 verse 7 almost but he leads with merciful and gracious he's far more great far more merciful than we give him credit for far more merciful than we can imagine. But the attribute most emphasized here at the end of chapter 40 is God's glory. God's glory. And similarly, God is more glorious than any of us can possibly imagine. Far more glorious than we think He is. Far more glorious than I will even come close to describing to you today. Far more glorious. But, but look at verse 34 and, and 35, and just try to imagine the scene here, all right? Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so, like, this is the, the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory. That's what we're talking about here. That just means dwelling glory. That's, that's what's happened. And this cloud has been with them all throughout. 
We saw it in chapter 13 for the first time. And we see it in chapter 14 as it protects them from the Egyptians that are coming at them. And, and they're between the Egyptians and they're between the Red Sea. And it goes between and they cross through. And then it leads them through the wilderness. And it comes to rest over Mount Sinai. And there's fire and there's lightning, the cloud there. Like we've seen this cloud and it's been leading them and protecting them and guiding them. But now what's happening here is this cloud is coming to literally dwell amongst them. Not, not be outside, but be in them. And it's crazy. Like when you think about the God of Exodus, all that we've seen, the God of power who made the heavens and the earth, the God of justice who plagued the Egyptians, the God of love who kept his covenant with Israel, the God of providence who led his people through the wilderness, the God of truth who gave them the law, the God of mercy who atoned for their sins, the God of holiness who set them apart for service. This God condescended to come near to his people in a tent in the desert. He identifies with them. Like if if, if you're going to be a nomad in a tent, then I will be right there with you. This is the kind of God we serve. And so the glory of the Lord fills the tabernacle. This glorious God of the Exodus fills the tabernacle. And just sanctified imagination here. Light, I just picture light like is blazing out between the fabrics of the, the curtains that, are, that form it. Light's coming out through that. People are shading their eyes from the light because it's so bright. And the light is, is blazing out like, like, like a searchlight on a, at a movie. Put it this way. People who have never seen an electric light. And now it's like searchlights from a movie premiere. It's like concert with the lasers and the lights going everywhere, blazing out in all of its glory to the point that everybody knows. All the house of Israel sees this. It's in the sight of all the house of Israel. They knew that God was in the house. And friends, when you realize that if you are in Christ... God's in the house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you dwell on that and you understand that and you remember that forever, He is in you, with you. It gives, again, perspective to everything. And so as you're trying to kind of get an idea of what it would, the, the glory of the Lord, let me just give a bunch of word descriptions. Like, it's kind of like that feeling that you might have multiplied times a gazillion, times infinity, that you might get like standing before the President of the United States with the motorcade, secret service all around, the feeling that you might get if you're placed in one of those cages. Have you, have you seen these on YouTube? It's like a cage they put in the midst of predators, like pride of lions, and it's like just an acrylic cage. And so they can roar like, you know, this close to you and they'll sneak up from behind and try to attack, but they, you know, run into the cage like and you need to go clean yourself up after that happens. The, like, you're terrified, but you're in awe because you're safe. And that's kind of the way it is with God. He could take us out, but we're safe because he doesn't turn that on us. You think about the glory of the Lord and it's, 
It's that brain lock. I talk with my kids and they're just like, Dad, I just don't understand. How can it be that God doesn't have a beginning? And he doesn't have an end. Like how? And, and, and you just see him. And it's the same thing. Like when you really try to think about how there's never been a time when God wasn't. And there, there'll never be a time when he isn't. And you think about that. You think about just the vastness of the universe he created. And we just shrink it down so that we can even contemplate it a little bit, the little Milky Way that we live in, the little earth that we live on, 93 million miles to the sun. The next closest star, if we represented 93 million miles by the thickness of a sheet of paper, the next closest star would be a stack of papers 300 miles high. That's just the closest one besides the sun. When you think about the fact that there was nothing except God, and then God said something, that's all he did, he spoke, and then there was everything. Like, you guys remember in science, or if you're in science right now, chemistry, you had a periodic table, you had to memorize all that, the alkalines and the different electrons and all that, right? There were no elements. God said, hey, there's going to be carbon now. Hey, uh, I'm going to make, you know, potassium now, nitrogen, hydrogen, oxygen, I'm going to make... And we're going to make them so that they interact and they form bonds and form atoms and form like there was nothing and then God spoke and that happened. When you remember, like Cooper famously put it, that there is not a single atom in the universe over which God does not say, mine. When you remember the weightiness of God, when you remember the very godness of God, that He can do whatever He wants, whenever he wants for the simple fact that he is God. And like Aslan, he's not a tame lion, but he is good. When you remember these things, again, everything gains perspective and courage and hope and awe and reverence and all the feels flood your heart. When you remember who he is, but it gets better. Because as glorious as this moment is, you will just imagine the, the Shekinah glory coming to rest inside the tabernacle, not outside, dwelling in their midst. And as glorious as the entire book of Exodus is, all that we've seen, the God who rescues, who draws them out, draws them in, as glorious all, as all of that is, that's just the first glimmerings of the glory that we see in Jesus Christ. Because John 1.14, again, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so if you want to see the glory of God in Exodus, look at Jesus. Because as Riken puts it, Jesus is the Moses of our salvation, the mediator who goes for us before God. And Jesus is the lamb of our Passover, the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is our way out of Egypt, the deliverer who baptizes us in the sea of his grace. 
Jesus is the bread in the wilderness who provides for us what we need daily. Jesus is the voice on the mountain speaking the Sermon on the Mount, the law that we are to follow in. Jesus is the altar where we offer up praise to God. Jesus is the lampstand, the source of light and life. Jesus is the basin for our cleansing, the sacrifice of our souls. Jesus is our great high priest who prays for us. And Jesus is the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat, the atonement that reconciles us to God. Like the glory that shone in the tabernacle that day shines completely and perfectly in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Friends, remember forever who God is. Glorious and radiant and powerful beyond our wildest dreams. And yet, Savior, deliverer, and indeed, friend. Friend of sinners. And so number one. Remember forever who God is. This is one of the themes of Exodus. Hang on to it. And then number two, remember forever that this God, this God is with you. He's with you. And the whole idea of like the tabernacle and the filling here, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, chapter 25, verse 8, God said, hey, I want you to build me a tent and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. That's what God wanted them to do. And they finally do it here. Chapter 40 is all about the tabernacle being erected. It's been built. Now it's erected and he comes and fills it. And it's a stunning statement. It's again like the mess of whatever we're going on. God comes and gets in it with us. If you're going to be nomads and not have a home, I'll be right there with you. Build me a tent too. If you're going to be in a tent, I'll be in a tent. You're going to wander in the wilderness, I'll wander with you. It's a visible reminder to us that God says to his people, and, and that's them and us, their story is our story. He says, I'm here. He's telling them, I'm right here. Right in the midst of your problems, right in the midst of your trials. I'm not out there somewhere. I'm not Bette Midler, you know, watching you from a distance, God. I'm, in, I'm here. I'm in the midst of whatever you're going through. I'm in the thick of it with you. I am not out there. I'm right here dwelling amongst you. And I'm protecting you. And I'm guarding you. And I'm guiding you. I mean, look at, look at this text again. That's, that's what he does particularly in 36, but we'll start in 34. And then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. Like Moses had always been able to go into God's presence or at least see him from a distance. God hides him in the cleft of the rock and he gets to see the train of, uh, you know, as he, as he goes by, he gets to see the backside of him and still that glory's so bright. Moses comes down, face is shining like, spray tan and 50 Botox injections. He's 
looking like that when he comes down the mountain. But look at verse 36. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. Like he's been guiding, he keeps guiding. But now he's guiding in the midst. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night. That's the blaze coming out like the burning bush. It's on fire, but it doesn't burn up like internally. And the sight of all the house of Israel, like they can see this throughout all their journeys. And so get this, the same cloud that sets forth God's majesty also sets forth his continual caring presence among his wandering people throughout their years in the wilderness. That's what these three final verses of Exodus are showing, that the Lord led and guarded his people by the cloud of his presence. And it's the same with us today, even though God doesn't manifest himself in the cloud like he did there the Lord is in the house. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He leads, He guides, He protects, He directs. And so, difference, remember, if you're in Christ, the Lord is in the house. He is with you, and He never calls in sick, He never shows up late. And again, it's not just any God. It's this God, the God of Exodus. Like to say God is with you is no big deal if that God is puny and impotent and just, you know, well, bless his heart, aw shucks, he's trying his best. But when you recognize this God, this glorious, powerful, sovereign God of the Exodus Splitting the Red Sea, manna from heaven, fire on the mountain, plagues, angel of death, Passover. Like this God, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, that that God is with you. Man, that changes the game when someone says God's with you. Because you've got a ringer in your corner now. You have a champion on your side. You have a hero with you. Always. It changes how you approach things. But again, it gets even better. Because what's proclaimed here in black and white analog goes full color, 4K, ultra high definition when Jesus comes. Because John 1.14 again, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, tabernacled among us. That's the word tabernacled among like this is what this tabernacle is pointing forward to now jesus is our tabernacle he is the meeting place for sinners with almighty god he has made atonement he has spilled his blood on the mercy seat he is both the sacrificial lamb and the scapegoat for our sin but not only that he has come to tabernacle among us like to take up residence in our hearts. And here's the deal, friends. He doesn't rent. He moves in permanently. 
and the rest of your life is him like interior redecoration, changing, rearranging you to make you more like him. And when you make a mess of your life, he cleans it up again. And when you make another one, he cleans it up again. And he never leaves you. No matter how many times you mess it up. He never forsakes you. I'm done. I'm out. No, he's not a renter. He takes over your house. Over the temple. Because you are his. And he will be with us always. Even to the end of the age. Friends, remember this truth. Again, scales everything. It just brings it down to size. And you're able to endure and go through. It makes the high places low and the low places high. It smooths out the path. Whatever you're going through. He's not left you. Like with the people of Israel, he heard them crying. And he went to work. And he does the same in our lives. Loving us, providing for us, being with us. And so in the good and in the bad and in the ugly, let these truths perpetually be a balm of Gilead to your souls. The God of Exodus, right? That's who he is. And Christ. And he is with you. Always. You've got a ringer in the corner. Hang on to that. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that we are just like the Israelites, for their story is our story. And that through Jesus, you have rescued us from our Egypt, the Egypt of our sin, and you are leading us to the promised land, just like you were then. The promised land of new heavens and new earth. But Father, while we wander in the wilderness of life and face many dangers, toils, and snares, remind us constantly of these truths, who you are, and that you are with us. And let that give us a peace that we can't explain. a calmness, a contentedness. And give us a sense of your nearness, Lord. And we know that it is only grace that has brought us safe this far. And that is only your grace that will bring us home. And you will bring us home. For you have drawn us out and you have drawn us in. And we praise you, our Savior King, that you never forsake us and you never leave us. And we have your very presence. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.